When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Steven Gagliano. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right. Welcome, 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 welcome. On in to the latest episode of the Off Air podcast. I am Chris Thomas, joined as always by my fellow 92.9 The Game producer, Stephen Gagliano. Now, Steve, couple housekeeping notes before we get into our first topic du jour. First and foremost, how are you feeling? Better than I was on Thursday. That was a... that was rough. I, uh, I talked to a few people that listened and they were like, dude, are you okay? Like you sound like you're dying. So thankfully I'm better than I was that day, but there's still a, one kind of last hurdle to be cleared. I think you can, you can probably hear it. I'm still a little stuffy and uh, there's a, a lingering cough, which is the most annoying part of being sick. So yes, especially, we're almost especially when you speak into a microphone, there's nothing worse than getting caught up in between a cough and, the awkward pausing and having to turn your head. And if you don't have a partner with you, then you, your producer needs to vamp. It's, it's a whole becomes a whole thing, but glad to hear you're on the mend. Hopefully by the next episode, your voice will be back to its normal self and you can regale us with tales of yore and uh, all the merriment we usually enjoy <laughs> from you. Um, secondly, Dukes and Bell had their show. The highs and the lows from Carolina. Uh, it was an awesome show on Thursday. I was back in the studio producing it. Um, Bo had the day off, so I was running the ship, and it was a lot of fun because I've never been a part of a broadcast that was that loud and that crazy and that boisterous. Um, the Hooters in Charlotte showed out about uh, a little, let's say about halfway through the show, we got a Facebook post from a group of Falcons fans that were on a bus that were pulling up to Hooters. And once they got there, the volume quite literally turned up to a 10. And uh, there were points where Dukes and Bell couldn't hear me. I couldn't hear them because it was just so damn loud, but the energy was so good. Uh, So all in all, before the game, a rousing success. Um, Afterwards, there was rain. Uh, on the field and there was uh, liquid in the form of tears from Falcons fans because that was about as poor of a performance unfortunately Steve as they've had all year that was awful and for it to come in kind of a prime time setting like that and I know Thursday night games this year haven't exactly been you know playoff caliber football by any stretch of the imagination but with you know the nation watching and all eyes on the Falcons. They chose to play their, they obviously didn't choose it, but you know what I mean? They played their worst game of the season. And what we're going to transition to here in a minute, it opened up a lot of questions about this football team that you couldn't ask the first, you know, eight to nine weeks of the season because this team was playing so much better than everybody thought they would. They were playing as a unit. They were playing cohesive football and, all of that went out the window on Thursday night in Carolina. Yeah, it was a real opportunity for the nation to sort of recognize the progress that the franchise has made because all of those lists at the beginning of the year had the Falcons either 30, 31, or 32. 
in the rankings. Um, and it was just such a blown, such a blown assignment on all fronts. I mean, nothing worked, just nothing. Couldn't run it, couldn't throw it, couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop the throw. Marcus Mariota made a meme out of himself that will now forever live in infamy. Infamy. It's a butter, butter, buttercup or butter? It's Butterfinger, right? It's not Butterfinger. Buttercup. There you go. Yeah, that's that's more. Buttercup is the more common name, so I should right. remember Butterfinger. Um, you go against the grain here. Yeah, that's right. Rebel with Rebel without a cause, and you're uh, the most stereotypical three prong. Which it's cool, but that's the most like white bread stereotypical thing we have going these days. But Steve is rebel. Steve is rebel without a cause. Um, so now, the, like you said, the, the question that everybody's asking now, and, and I simply wouldn't have entertained it up to this point. Um, it's been a topic on and off just because Mariota hasn't been great this year, but he's he's been he's been as the Falcons have been. There's been moments of greatness, and there's been moments where you're pounding your head into the couch being like, what the hell am I watching right now? Um, and he had way too many of those moments on Thursday. And now the question is, Steve, um, is it fair now for the fan base to be clamoring the way that they are for Desmond Ritter? Because once you make that change, mm, I don't know if you're focusing on winning games at as much as you are right now. Yeah, so I think the question is fair. It, it has to be at this point. That performance on Thursday night, that didn't look like Marcus Mariota had a regard for the Falcons, for himself, for winning, for anything. That was him trying to play backyard football, running around, throwing across his body, throwing while he's in the middle of some spin down to the ground that, like you said, is going to be a meme forever. I think that performance absolutely invites the question and – probably showed a good portion of this fan base kind of what they almost wanted to see all along. It, I think it was, there was chum. A... That, that, that play is chum for the fan base. Yep, it absolutely was. And, and I think ever since the Falcons drafted Desmond Ritter, there's been a portion of the fan base that says, let's just play him. Let's just play him. Let's see what he has. And I think that gave credence to those fans. And, you know, I, I can't sit here and say that that shouldn't be the case. Early in the season, when people wanted to make that change, we said you can't do that because all of your goals are still in front of you. While that right. still may be true and the division is still within striking distance, I think you see the Bucks starting to play better. I think you see kind of what the ceiling is for this Falcons team with Marcus Mariota, and I think it's getting harder to say you should try to fight through that to keep playing Marcus Mariota. And I think – I think Desmond Ritter at some point here in the next few weeks probably will get some time. Well, if you lose to the Bears on Sunday at home, then yeah, then it's done. Yeah, then there's then then you don't have a choice. But if they rattle off another two or three games in a row, I think you quell the the crowd at once again just for a little bit. There's there's just enough of a crack in the door left to justify sticking with Mariota for just a little bit longer. Um, if this thing spirals, then like you said, yes, there's no choice. You absolutely have to put him in and see what he's got. But at four and six, when 
eight wins could get you a wild card spot or nine wins could win the division still at this point. Um, man, they're right on the, like, I want to just say, okay, but I can't, I, there's been just enough progress made and shown and just enough guy. I mean, we haven't had a fully healthy secondary in almost a month. Right. I mean, we're down our two starting cornerbacks. That's not a small thing at all. You're asking second and third string guys to go out there and play like number ones, which they're just not. So it's, it's, it, we just got CP back. I mean, it's, there's, there's a sliver of cake that's just big enough for me to eat or give out to one last person. And then after that, then I'm on the Ritter train, but I can't support the fans on the Ritter train just yet. Um, because there's, there's, the door is cracked open a jar just enough. Yeah. And I, I think I'm kind of there with you. I, I would not to clarify, I would not make the change right now, but I think what happened <clears throat> on Thursday absolutely opens up the conversation. I think before this past game, I think, you know, the conversation of fans calling in or texting into the shows, them just begging for Mark or for Desmond Ritter to play. I think you get, you know, you get shut down, you get hung up on and we blow past the text. I think at this point, what that game did, it invites the conversation and it gives, it gives fans that chance to, all right, now I can explain this is why I think it's time. Now, is it time? I don't think so. But, again, it just opens up that conversation. Well, give me a media nugget. I can tell you that uh, by far the – no, it does deserve to. It's fine. Um, I can tell you by far the biggest thing going on our Facebook page is the article I posted on Friday. And it simply says, Dukes and Bell, colon, when do we see Desmond Ritter? That's how they opened up the show on Friday. I took a clip. From That's Carl. what Mike Bell was screaming in the uh, in the he stadium. Was, I believe. He was screaming it on on Friday during the show too, even though he barely <laughs> had a voice to begin with uh, from all the cheering that they did on Thursday. Um, that post has nearly seven hundred likes and three hundred and twenty five comments. So wow. clearly people are, that's what people want to talk about. Um, and you know, it's, it's reached, so I won't give away the exact number, but it's reached a lot of people as well. Um, I was hoping mine post game would after, after Thursday, but posting an article sometimes at midnight after a game yeah. like that doesn't quite have the legs that I was hoping. No, that's a downside of being on primetime. But, hey, the Falcons don't have any more primetime games after this. So that's true. It doesn't matter. They had their one and only, and they blew it. Uh, but, yeah, so the bottom line is I know the fan base wants it, and they want to talk about it. And there are people in that comments section that um, believe Mariota should get the chance until the season's over. But uh, I, me and you are on the same page. It's just once – once that will, and we'll know that's the thing. Like there'll, there'll be a moment where we're just like, okay, it's, it's enough. It's time. Bring out Ritter. Let's concede and let's focus on next year. Cause yep. th- this and year- I think, I think part of too, why I, 
and I don't want to speak for you, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, part of what doesn't make Thursday night that moment is the fact that it's a short week. It was some of the worst weather that you're going to play in. And I think those kind of compound into saying, let's, you know, they get 10 days off. If they look this bad again against the Bears, then maybe you get to that point. We agree. All right, Steve, from something uh, not so fun to talk about to something fun to talk about. Uh, I am, I believe, five years late. Um, Many, many Halloween costumes and fan groups and theories late. But uh, I started Stranger Things this weekend. How about that? I love it. Um, It's about about time. About halfway through the first season. I did give it one other shot right before I moved to Atlanta, actually. So this would have been about two years ago. Uh, I watched the first two episodes and... I just sort of gave up on it. I didn't give it a fair shake. And this time I said, I'm going to soldier through. I rewatched the first two episodes again. Uh, now I think I'm on episode six or seven of season one. So I watched a fair bit of it this weekend. Uh, it was was only, this kicked off by Millie Bobby Brown being at the Hawks game? You know what? Um, Maybe subconsciously. Yeah, I just she was on the brain. Um, that was <laughs> – you want to talk about awkward uh, – fan interactions um <laughs> she was she was not exactly uh ready for that why no. i don't know but she was she was not exactly enthralled to be doing an interview on valley sports who knows <laughs> um but yeah so i i really enjoyed it now um i'm definitely gonna keep watching um on nights when now it's tough with Monday night football, Thursday night football, and then Hawks games sprinkled in between. So not a lot of free nights, but um, weekends definitely. Uh, and I got plenty to watch now. I believe there's, what, four seasons. So um, I'm interested to see what happens. And you know what the best part is, Steve? Somehow I've managed to avoid major spoilers for the show. I don't know why. Usually they just sort of come up in cultural and like life conversations because it's such a popular show. Like, yeah, or even like a meme on Twitter that'll show up and it'll give, you know, it'll give a spoiler maybe with no context or anything like that. But to avoid that, that's, that's big. Yeah. Like I've only seen the first three seasons of game of Thrones, but I know what happens. Right. And I just know what happens by osmosis. That Um, happened to me because I was, I was very late to the game in game of Thrones. I, I watched it, you know, after it had already started, I watched it in the lead up to season eight. So like I knew some of the major plot points, spoiler alert, you know, skip ahead 15 seconds. If you don't want to hear this, I heard that Jon Snow died. I heard that he came back to life. I heard, you know, all that kind of, all those major season ending moments. Right. Who ultimately got the throne and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what am I in for here? What what with no spoiler free? Uh, teach me, explain to me like I'm five. Uh, what I'm going to be looking forward to as I binge my way through Stranger Things here. All right. So remind me again. Where exactly did you say you are? Um, episode I believe five or six, season one. Okay. So season one. They amazing. just you know what I, the mom just had the thing with the Christmas lights. Mm, where will was trying to communicate with her through yes and no and then the the sheriff comes back and he's trying to he's telling her that she's crazy and all that kind of that's where i am okay 
So what you're in for, in my opinion, I think season one was amazing. Season two, also very good. There's a few things mixed in here and there that were a little controversial for the fan base. And I think there are a couple episodes mixed in that you'll notice kind of a tonal shift that you may not be in love with. Season three, still good. Maybe a little dip again. But, you know, some big highlight moments in there. And the most recent season, I think that'll probably be your favorite season. With your love of kind of horror movies and that kind of thing, season four takes a a turn into less 80s nostalgia kind of building off of that. And they play up the more horror element of the show. And I think it really, really worked. And the kids sort of, I mean, in real time, they go from being – what 12 or 11 or 12 when the show starts and now they're you know by the time season four rolls around they're what 17 18 years old so i think they're still a little younger because season four i think they're supposed to be freshmen in high school oh wow okay yeah so i think they may be like eight or nine in season one technically and then yeah i think they're like 15 or so when season four starts I was going off of the fact that i when i when i saw millie bobby brown at the Hawks game. I was like, man, she looks like she grew up. Like, I was yeah, like, in real life, they're, she they're she can't be. Older. Yeah, I was like, but she can't be more than she looks like she's twenty five now, but she's eighteen. I was like, whoa. Right. I was like, eh, <laughs> whoa, hey now, back away from the TV screen there, big guy. Um, so that's what I was basing it off of. But okay, but yeah, but so, but they're older and they can handle more. You know, there's only so far you can push it with actual kids. In right. terms of, you know, it did a good job of that, um, the Stephen King movie. Um, there's only so far you can push horror when it involves kids because it just sort of becomes, you know, too much and unrealistic. Um, so is it is is the show the type of thing where, because it seems to me like the crescendo point that the first season is heading to would ultimately be something, and I don't know because it hasn't happened yet, but would ultimately be something that could be on its own the end of a series. Like if Stranger Things was going to be a one season thing, it seems like whatever's going to happen at the end of the first season could either be a conclusion to that thing or they use it to catapult into something bigger. So it it seems like that's sort of the direction that the show is going to take you to. And again, I don't know what that is. Right. I, I think that's a fair way to put it. I think they try to do that at the end of seasons to, you know, just in case, hey, maybe we get canceled or whatever. It right. won't now because of how popular it was. But at that time, you know, you're making an unknown show. These, season one of Stranger Things it didn't come out or, you know, there wasn't all this stuff leading up to it as, oh, this is the most hyped show ever. It is now because of the success that it's had. So you never right. know when you're writing that ending hey, maybe we don't even get a second season and it's a mini series. I just watched a show called The Watcher on Netflix that you know, I, I they wrote it. Finish it. Yeah, you're not really missing anything. I with couldn't. The you know, they renewed it for a season two. Yeah, and that, that was going to be my point is you, you write a show like that and that's a true-ish story. So yeah. I guess they kind of have an open ending, but that's one where they should have just written an ending because it, yeah. that show does not need to continue. No, it does not. I was really excited about it. And after the first couple episodes, I was still in. But about halfway through, I was like, Oof, 
This yeah, is... it, it lost steam very quickly. And they're just sticking what's her name in every big show now because she's having a moment. Yeah, uh, Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, she's. she's yeah, I think her... White Lotus may be my next show. I've heard enough people have told me that I should give it a shot. Whether yeah. it's good or not, I don't know. Me too. But all right, I'm excited about Stranger Things. I'm excited to see where this is going to turn. Um, I'm glad I finally got onto it, even though it's years later. Um, I'm definitely better enjoying late than it. never. Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. So uh, that was that was my little foray into the Stranger Things universe this weekend. All right, Steve, as we get into our third and final segment of the show this Monday, um, what's the date? Is it 11-11? No, it's November 14th. Uh, 14th. November 14th. I got three words for you. What the hell? I mean, when it comes to our Hall of Fame audio clip of the week, when I saw this, um, I wish we could include the visual for you guys, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to implore all of our listeners to go on Twitter to the Dan Lebitard Show Twitter account and find the video of this. Because as funny as it is sounding, picturing the person we're about to describe doing this, when you see what he looks like in present day, I'm assuming most of us haven't seen this person in a while. Um, he's He's gone taking the first class pass on the crazy train and uh, looks, he looks as crazy as what he's about to say. So this is... Carrot Top, yes, that Carrot Top, um, posting a video in response to being a guest on the Dan Lebitard show where he would randomly pick football games and then those football games, of which he has no knowledge of, would be compared week in and week out to self-proclaimed expert Colin Cowherd and they would take tally for the entire season and see you had the better record at the end of the year and carrot top to all of our surprise, or maybe none of our surprise um, did quite well. I think it's an opportune time just to remind everybody that I, uh, by the way, I uh, picked uh, football games three years in a row better than Colin Coward. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there in my Charles Nelson Riley glasses. Bring it on, mm. Colin Coward. Right. Okay. Now, as... Sounds ins- like the Joker. Yeah, as insanely ridiculous as that sounds, again, please do yourself a favor and go find this video because he's wearing a hat and his hair is insane coming out of the sides of the hat. The hair is not only the traditional orange... It now has hues of pink and black and blue, and he's totally gone off the deep end in terms of the hair. Then there's the tan. He looks like he just came out of a retro fitness, spent about 45 minutes in the tanning salon, and is auditioning for the next season of Jersey Shore. Then there's the glasses. He has the most, he has like Harry Carey, uh, Will Ferrell glasses on, thick rimmed, totally square, and it just completes the entire look. And that, at that one point in the video where he's doing the impression, he zooms the camera up right to the glasses, so you're just staring directly into his crazy eyes. 
for 12 seconds. And it is the eeriest thing. We, I spent a whole month in October with you, Steve, professing my love for horror movies. And that was scarier than anything I've seen in any movie last month. Yeah, I, it's bizarre. I didn't recognize him. So when you sent me the video initially to download and to, to put into the system here, it took me a second to realize, like, who the hell is that? And then, wow, that is that definitely is Carrot Top. But I guess we could always have guessed maybe that he would have ended up kind of at this point of, of going off the deep end a little more than he already was. But, man, that – I was not prepared for that. And so, again, like you said, everybody needs to go watch that video and pair that with the audio because it, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't see this. It's it's crazy. And the the other funny part about it is he did beat Colin Coward three yeah. years in a row <laughs> when Colin was actually trying to pick the games right and um Carrot Top was picking completely randomly. I don't even know if he knows the teams. He would just they would have I remember when they did this. It was back when they were at ESPN. They would just bring him on the phone, give him the matchup with the point spread, and he would just pick the game. I have no That's idea. honestly that's like when you give, you know, like your girlfriend or your wife or something, the NCAA bracket. And it's like, all right, pick these. And they're like, well, what mascot do I like better? You know, and they, they go based off of that or like, oh, I like their uniforms better. And they pick that. And all of a sudden my brackets busted in the first week and right. hers, you know, she all of a sudden wins the damn thing. That's what that seems like. Yeah. So for all the self-proclaimed sports betting experts out there, that just goes to show you, um, you know, nobody knows anything. Uh, I want to take the last couple of minutes here, Steve. I purposefully saved it because we're not going to play a second Hall of Fame audio of the of the week. But this is something I feel like we should touch on because it is in our wheelhouse with Hall of Fame audio. Did you hear see Derek Carr crying yesterday? I did. Yes. Um, so if you want to set that up for the good people out there. Yeah. So the Vegas Raiders inexplicably lost to the Jeff Saturday coached Colts as we with broke Matt Ryan at quarterback. Yeah. How about that? That was kind of a last minute uh, change up there. Probably smart by Jeff Saturday to have a veteran quarterback in there rather than Sam Ellinger. So the Raiders lose, they are horrible. What they're now two and eight, I believe is their Something record. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. First year coach, Josh McDaniels, and they've blown 17-point leads twice. Now they lose to the Colts, who are a laughing stock all of last week. And after the game, Derek Carr steps to the podium and just breaks down, honestly, just saying what all it means to them to practice so hard each week and what it takes for them to get ready and for this to essentially be the outcome, for them to be this bad. He, he just couldn't get through it. I guess the – um media nugget question would be as fans do we appreciate that or are we like dude come on that's the question right i don't mind it i don't mind a little humanity every once in a while like you know these guys get up there week in and week out and um i didn't listen to mcdaniel's press conference but i'm sure the coach speak was in full effect it's on me we gotta be better we gotta practice better sometimes it's nice um you know to get a little bit of, of a reality check like this is their job this is their livelihood they care about it the same way that we care about our job um you know they, they push themselves to a physical limit we could only 
we can't even dream of with how hard they train and everything that goes in to the season. Um, and if you saw Derek Carr before the season, he looked jacked. He looked ready to go. Devontae Adams, old college stars coming back together. And they haven't even necessarily been the problem. They're both having pretty good seasons, but um, I don't mind it once in a while. I, you know, if it becomes too much like Dan Campbell, who becomes a meme of himself, you know, just because he's so over the top with the emotion and the, and the, we're going to bite your kneecaps off stuff. Um, or Nick Sirianni, who tries to make these crazy analogies all the time and they just don't make any sense. Um, but when it's like that, um, like, Hey man, I feel you. That's got to really suck. Um, nothing you can do about it, but I'm not, I'm not walking into work today, making fun of the guy. Right. I appreciate the humanity from somebody like Derek Carr. However, if I'm in that locker room, I probably don't love that from, you know, seeing that outwardly. If he's doing that in the locker room and he's making an impassioned speech to the team and he's getting fired up and a little angry, a little emotional, I think that galvanizes me more than seeing him break down, you know, at the podium talking to a group of reporters. I, you know, there's, there's something maybe about that if I'm a teammate that I don't love. Also, how about the reporter halfway through his answer that tries to interrupt him? Did you hear that part of it? No. So, yeah, so Derek Carr, he gets through kind of the first part of his answer. And then about halfway through, a reporter tries to chime in and Derek Carr has to say, hold on, like if I can get through this. And then he keeps going. It's like some idiot reporter like, hey, I want to ask you about what happened on that third down. Like, dude, give the – quarterback of the Raiders a minute while he's breaking down at the podium. Yeah, and this is Chuck Smith, it. Las Vegas Review Journal. I just I just <laughs> want to know where you were looking when they were playing that quarter defense and about seven minutes left in the third quarter. What, what, what were you saying out there, uh, Derek? Derek? <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. One of the things you're, you're taught, don't interrupt emotion. That's yeah. one of the biggest things. When you get that kind of – that moment in a press conference or an interview, whatever – and you choose to interrupt it for your dumb question, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, that's interesting. I, I didn't think about the locker room part of it. But at the same time, like, the guys who have been there for a while, they know their teammates. Like, you know, they know if Derek Carr's the kind of guy that's going to go cry in front of the podium. Like, And I think he – I feel like he's done something like this before. He's known as a really emotional guy out there. But – yeah. Um, I think his teammates respect him. I, I don't know. There's there, there's been a lot of ambiguity there about what kind of leader he is and how he's viewed in in that locker room. Um, and he's been, as we were talking about in the first segment, just good enough of a quarterback that he keeps getting paid and starts and contracts and years because he's been just good enough. Ironically, hey, and, and last year there were there were people saying. Hey, let's see what Marcus Mariota can well, do. I, that's what I was, right. That's just w- exactly what I was about to say. All right. So I just wanted to spend a minute on that because I did feel uh, it was important because it, that is sort of the thing that's, uh, you know, leading sports center. But I couldn't, I couldn't not give us the carrot top audio today. That just needed to be, that needed to be heard and more importantly seen by our audience. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the off air podcast. I am Chris Thomas. Find me on Twitter and all social media at C Thomas Radio. My partner Steve Gagliano at Peeve Gagliano on Twitter and social media. We'll be back with you guys in just a couple days. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Off Air Podcast.